Welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Kyoto and Tynan results from their respective tournaments. We're going to do a quick MetaShare study. study sorry, words hard. And then we're going to talk about some news, some very, very important news regarding the standard format and Scarlet Violet that's coming out pretty quick here. And then we're going to answer a listener question, which actually heavily pertains to a lot of this new stuff that we are going to talk about. But with me, as always, is Justin. How are you, bud? I'm doing all right, man. Um, I'm a little sick today, uh, which is was kind of kind of sucks, but um, hopefully get it over it really quick and uh, we'll get back to normal and get back to rolling. How about you? Uh, I'm good. It's a little gloomy weather outside. We did get some snow, and I do definitely love the snow. But did you play any Pokemon this week, man? I did, actually. So um, I went to a three-box tournament on Saturday, and I decided to take Sanders' exact 60 of his newest Mewtwo V Union deck. Um, I'm really loving the deck in practice. It went awesome. Um, And even after the tournament, um, I helped a couple people practice with it because they didn't know how to play against it went awesome but during the tournament itself um did not have too hot of a run um had a couple just one bad matchup and then another one where i played the one person in the room playing arceus with drapion um just kind of wrecked my day so didn't do too hot but all in all i love the deck and still had a lot of fun doing it so um did you get to play any pokemon I didn't play so much in person i did take a little bit of a mental break this week just to kind of collect myself and uh you know, do some holiday flavor things, if you will. Uh, I did play a little bit online. We had a really cool, um, I don't want to call it like a practice session, but just a, we, we got a bunch of the Discord members together and we played online and, you know, tested meta-relevant things and so on and so forth. So it was a good time. And you stopped by for a second and kind of said hi and hung out while you were at actual, like, IRL card play. So that was cool. Yep, <laughs> yep. We got to pop in and say what's up to everyone. Yeah, but we didn't have near as many people playing in our Discord as they did at the Kyoto uh, Championship. This had 2,900 participants. That's pretty stellar for a Pokemon event. It's absolutely massive, like larger than anything we've seen here in the U.S. For sure, and I, I have reason to believe that that has to do with a lot of their lottery tournaments for city leagues and stuff like that, like you get in on a lottery system like you have to get randomly picked to come compete and then you have to play good after you get picked so i feel like that's a little stressful where something like the uh kyoto championships was more of a like hey come and play and it's a best of one format and it's kind of i don't want to call it like a battle royale but it is definitely a big uh swiss type tournament in a best of one format that includes an awful lot of players yeah, I mean, definitely because they have those the uh, lottery style systems. If you got to just come play at this, that might be your only chance to play throughout the entire year. So I'm sure everyone who had the opportunity made it happen, so they could, and that's why they saw these crazy numbers. Because lo- lottery systems can be uh, very out of your favor sometimes. You can you can apply four or five times and not get chosen four or five times. So yeah, so I can imagine everyone that had the opportunity showed up for this. Yeah, and that's a real thing. But out of 2,900 people, the winning deck was none other than Reggie Box. And we all know how wonderful Reggie's is. This deck seems very, very catered to the meta running three Reggie Alecki. Uh, this was a really cool list, I suppose. 
piloted by Yuta uh, Tagemi, if you will. And what makes it spicy is limiting the amount of scoop-up nets to three, and then adding the escape rope to keep yourself from perpetually being trapped behind the Flying Pikachu VMAX, which negates the attacks from basic Pokemon. Uh, other than that, it just seems like a really consistent Reggie list. Yeah, I, I agree uh, completely, you know, and especially in these best of one formats as well, too. Um, most people probably think you are playing that fourth scoop up net or that fourth ordinary rod. So kind of that element of surprise aspect that we've talked about in the past probably came in favor here where someone maybe thought that uh, this uh, Yuta Tagame had an extra scoop up net available to them or something like that, whereas they actually didn't were able to kind of make some really good meta calls and plays based on those factors and things like that. But um, we all know how bricky of a deck Reggie can be every once in a while, so I think it is pretty crazy to see that it actually went all the way to a 12-2 and two finish, uh, especially in a best-of-one series. Um, but yeah, it just hits so many different weaknesses. Um, I think I think Reggie Box is a good call. A lot of U.S. players were, were riding it off for the longest time, and obviously um, they should probably have it on their radar again. Yeah, and like you had mentioned before, like Reggie's kind of needs a best of three to work out the kinks and not brick, where I've seen Reggie's brick harder than most decks that I've ever played, and I've played a lot of decks in my lifetime, but GG's, Yuta, that was a super sick finish for you. You know, 12-2 and two is definitely nothing to scoff at, especially with a deck like this. And in second place is Minato Watanabe with Lugia, V-Star, and Archaeops. Also going twelve and two through the uh, the the ladder, if you will. Um, but it's a pretty cookie cutter Lugia list at the end of the day, disregarding the four capture energy that this this uh, competitor played. Yeah, I kind of like the four capture just because if you happen to get one of those like Pokemon that you don't want to start with and say nothing else and say you're just kind of stuck that's just one more out to just not bricking and not um draw passing honestly you do play plenty of quick balls and ultra balls and stuff like that but we all know especially in this game of pokemon that there's a lot of variance and a lot of times you can very well not start with any of those cards you need so just having that extra option to an out um i I think it's not a horrible meta call by any means and that and especially if you're going against something like the the reggie box what better than to attach capture energy from hand to get your Dunsparce out so you're not getting swung at for weakness? Yeah, well, that's a big thing. And I, when you look at the list itself, Dunsparce, Stoutland, Archaeops, Crobat, Eveltal, Radiant Charizard, even Pumpkaboo and Luminion can be attackers with you know their attacks being fulfilled with colorless energy at the end of the day. So even if you have a rough start where you're starting one of these like tech attackers, adding one capture energy is not going to make or break your line of play so i could definitely see the merit in running four capture for sure exactly and we also see he plays the crobat which a lot of people have been cutting from their list as well too um opting to only run the one luminion which personally i'm still a fan of the double luminion because i do like the idea of that luminion loop but um again you know if you have that that just rough start especially in these best of ones where you just kind of want to guarantee you can get set up and you don't have a brick start uh crobat's not a horrible option so um so in a best of one scenario i can definitely see it get a lot of use yeah for sure and then before we progress to our honorable mention for this tournament 
wanted to point out that this player is using three outs to path to the peak in the form of Pumpkaboo, which is searchable with your uh, basic Pokemon search. Unfortunately, you can't just attach capture and then have Pumpkaboo do its thing, but they're also playing a Lost Vacuum as well as one Collapse Stadium. So you can see that they're very, um, I don't want to say scared of path, but they're prepared for path. Yeah, exactly. That that or even um, the Temple of Sinnohs that we're seeing a lot of as well, too. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty reoccurring theme with a lot of decks that are trying to make their way back up into the meta. But their honorable mention, if you will, is piloted by uh, Yuta Nakamura playing Eternatus and Galarian Weezing. Man, I feel like we talk about Eternatus a lot lately. Yeah, it's one of those decks that just keeps popping up, um, and then people just keep going, ah, it was a it was a whiff, oh, they got lucky, but it, no, it keeps showing up, like, not even, not only is it an honorable mention, but it took third place, so, I mean, obviously this deck is doing very, doing something right, um, and of course it's running those, the Temple of Sinnohs that we just talked about as well, too, but I mean, it's just being able to use that Galarian Weezing and shut off your opponent's abilities, especially when uh, against Lugias um, or Regis and things where we're in such a heavy ability meta, it's really, really strong. I know you've been a huge fan of Galarian Weezing lately. Yeah, I definitely see the merit in Weezing. For so long, we've been using things like Empoleon to shut down your basic Pokemon without abilities, but Galarian Weezing is one of those things because it's an evolution Pokemon and Polion doesn't really care uh, or it doesn't really care about Empoleon more or less uh, and stifling your opponent's abilities has always been pretty good uh, in the standard format and I think that this definitely takes advantage of a lot of decks needing turn two abilities like um, Lugia V-Star, Arceus V-Star um, and even things along the lines of Lost Box that are all ability based so it tends to be pretty problematic for decks like those and if you look at it on paper those are like your top three decks and you know mu v max up there too but it also relies very heavily on abilities and it's perpetually weak to dark so eternatus might just be a really good meta call for that specifically um i think the inclusion of forest seal stone basically giving eternatus v max a v star power that's pretty relevant to its line of play using a Crobat to draw until you have six cards in your hand, and if you're missing that one card for the combo, the Forest Seal Stone will go grab it for you, and I think that that is very powerful. Exactly. You you can attach that to your Crobats as well, since you know they're at a certain point not going to be good for anything other than being bench sitters and things to increase your Eternus's damage, so um, you're not even having to waste the attachment of a Choice Belt to the Eternatus for that Forest Seal Stone, so... It kind of works out that in that, that aspect as well, too. Um, I do like the inclusion of the one of Crobat VMAX as well, too. I think that um, hitting 100, I think I believe it's 180 damage, and then switching to the bench, um, which then you put the Glaring Weezing back in, back in the active, is actually very strong. Uh, yeah, it, it Stealth Poison hits for 70, and then it switches 70, back into the is. bench. Yeah, and then it's Max Cutter attack does 180. It does leave itself into the active after max cutter but 180 is a pretty solid number to hit for uh in a minute like this especially if you're hitting them with uh, x amount of poison from uh glaring wheezing which does four um takes of damage of uh, poison damage and then you add the radiant sneezler which does an additional two so getting up into that 240 range plus poison you're borderline hitting 280 and if you die to poison you can't raihan the following turn or trigger gift energy which is pretty useful in a meta right now 
Yeah, exactly. And um, I know we're talking about this deck quite a bit, but I mean, even just looking at the things like the boost shakes too, I mean, a lot of times, Larian Weezen wants a lock right off the bat, and yeah, you play the Ascension Coughing, but um, if you're going first and you want to get that lock off, I mean, what better way to do Crobat, build up your hand, put the Forest Seal Stone on it, use that, get your boost shake, and literally turn one, you're already locking your opponent out from doing anything. I mean, it's pretty pretty cool concept. I definitely think this is something that um, I don't think it by any means could probably win a regional, but I think it is something that needs to start being on people's radars. Like I said, everyone's kept riding it off, and it keeps making appearances in day two in, in U.S. regionals, so it's it's not not it's not a meme deck by any means it is it is something to keep your eye out for yeah uh play avery play galarian Zap zapdos <laughs> it'll uh <laughs> you'll you'll thank me later and then the next list from this tournament that we want to look at is surprising nobody more wheezing but this is a pretty peculiar list uh kohei atsuki played lugia v-star with galarian wheezing you still get the same amount of utility from Lugia running a 3-3 count, streamlining the Archeops at 4, but playing a 3-3 line of Galarian wheezing to shut down your opponent in the mirror and also kind of soften things up with poison damage. Yeah, we kind of talked about this briefly, and um, I am, I'm actually a big fan of this list. It's different. It's unique. Um, and the first thing that I look at it when I see it is I go, okay, cool, so I can Luminion put my our Archeops to Luminion, put the Luminion the active, loop, uh, hit, put Shuffle back in the deck, and then put Galarian Reasoning back in the active. Um, then next turn, with the Hiding Dark Energy attached to it, you literally can just do that loop all over again. Eventually you'll run out of kind of your resources to find that Luminion, but I really do think that's a great tech to not only lock your opponent, but also not leave something in the active that can potentially get swung on next turn, especially if you're in a really good advantageous position say against another Lugia or something like that who wants to use their abilities. Yeah, and that's a super heads up play for sure. And I also like that they still featured the um, the Raikou and the Raikou will get you out of some pinches. It'll also help you trade very favorably into things like Lost Box being able to take two prizes at a time off of a, like a purely single prize deck is pretty powerful in a, in a format like this. So Super cool list, and I'm super excited to see how Galarian Weezing transitions into the meta. And then we're going to briefly touch on the Tainan Regional League. They had 2,000 participants, which, again, huge numbers. The biggest like American Regional was 1,100, if I'm not mistaken. So very cool to see that overseas they're having these tremendous events. And I'm wondering if these are like the equivalents of ICs in our neck of the woods just because they are so big and they did have their own independent streams and broadcasts. Yeah. I, I would think that that's probably like their IC, but just on a regional level, I actually am not sure with the Tynan league, if that was um, another region that's based on lottery systems, but if so um, I could again, see why if there's just this open invitation type deal, people just make their way there to make sure they can compete because that might could, could be their only chance for six months honestly yeah no if you if you can go play why not like why, why wait on a on a lottery system that may not ever draw your name uh but to actually i want to actually circle back to the kyoto if you watched any of that stream the production value of that particular event was insane they had a transitioning camera that would go from like center top facing 
and then it would like pan left or pan right to like an overhead view of like the player and the way that it transitioned made it like legitimately look like it was a camera like swooping across almost like the overhead cam at like football games yeah i did catch a little bit of that um i only caught a few games just because of the time difference and things like that but it was pretty cool actually they i i was very impressed with the production value and i will say their casters dude they they were on another level with how excited they were getting it was it was pretty cool to see um just how amazed they were at these you know these players playing how they did yeah, absolutely. And then back to the Tainan Regional League. First place was uh, won by Weiwei Tei playing the Mu VMAX going 14-1. It's pretty solid. Uh, we, don't unfor- we don't have a list to look at, unfortunately, but we could probably assume that it's either Fusion Mu or it's Marnie Mu, and both of which are very, very powerful. And then second place uh, was won by Jowlin Day going 13-2 with Lugia, V-Star, and Archaeops. Uh, from what I understand and like the small amount of videos that I was able to catch on stream, nothing super spicy. I did I couldn't really tell if they were playing Double Luminion. They were definitely playing Radiant Charizard. They didn't put their Raikou down in the one stream that I watched, and I didn't see it hit the discard pile. But other than that, um, the, the Lugia deck seems pretty cookie cutter. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense, especially when you're going to these giant um, regionals. We'll... You and I both love spice and decks, but um, we said it over and over again. Consistency is is usually pretty good, and for this person to go thirteen and two um, out of two thousand and five people, I'm I'm sure there was a, it was a good amount of consistency in that deck just to make sure that they didn't have any brick starts or anything like that. Absolutely, I feel like if I was to put myself in a best of one, I think the most consistent list would give me the best opportunity to compete at a high level. And before we transition into the MetaShare study, I wanted to do a quick shout out to Pokestats for keeping us in the loop about an international events like this. Uh, Pokemon's not terribly transparent about how they display tournaments happening on the other side of the country, uh, especially for serious competitors on this side of the you know world, if you will. It's very important to have access to all this information, and Pokestats has been doing a fantastic job making sure that we have access to it and all of this information is being distributed uh, in a public and easy-to-access manner. Uh, so shout-outs to Cash and Tate. You guys do a fantastic job, and everybody else who works uh, at Pokestats, keep it rocking. And if you guys want to check out tournament results and upcoming tournaments and stuff like that, make sure you're checking out ptcgstats.com uh, for all your tournament info. <laughs> We're going to dive into the MetaShare study. Um, so what do these international events mean for Arlington? Do they bear any weight? Do you think that the meta is going to transition a little bit into an untested, unknown territory? Or do you think we're going to see a little bit more of the same? Um, I really do think we're going to see a little bit more of the same um, for the most part. I think we're definitely going to see um, probably an uptick in things like glaring and wheezing um, just because it has been so strong. Um, I also have seen all over Twitter people talking about went to go test on the ladder and ran into glaring and wheezing this, this, this. And so um, I think I think it's definitely going to be something that's going to be on people's radar. Um, we did see not this weekend, but the previous weekend when we had the triple header, um, a ton of untested or unseen decks kind of came out of the woodworks. But um, I think... I think we're going to kind of still see some of those top decks still perform very well with a few of those um, rogue-ish decks or 
um, untested, for lack of better words, decks um, make day twos and do and and go take a far run. But um, with with the results of this past weekend, um, I think the professional players are going to take it kind of with a grain of salt because yes, there was a lot of cool variants in there, but also with being a best of one format, um, I, I do think that it's. You can only take it so far, I guess, is the or take that info and, and run with it so far because in a best of two, a two out of three scenario, best of three scenario, you're going to see that deck and you're going to be able to counter it the next game if you happen to lose to it the first game or prepare for it better um, because that that um, surprise factor can win you a game, but once someone kind of, especially these pro players, once they figure out how that surprise factor works, well, they're going to try to make sure in the best way possible not to. Um, mess up again in that aspect or play differently to uh, have a better chance. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so I think that it's going to be like a 50-50 field. Um, clearly, like the Brisbane results, Flaffy Box taking second, um, you know, Inteleon Frostmouth Waterbox, you know, taking first. It seems like a standard format where people can benefit from deck creativity and bringing something that they know how to play inside and out versus trying to tech for what is considered like the the heavy heavily meta focused decks um you know we've talked about it time and time again tech versus consistency consistency wins you know nine out of ten times in those specific instances so it's one of those things where like a high level player could bring something like i don't know colossal or uh, like Rillaboom box, if you will, where you're accelerating energy with a single prize or something like that and just fire, um, you know, fuel up a bunch of single prize attackers, if you will. I think that there's, if we're in a format right now where it is diverse enough to where a good player could take something like that to a regional level event and be mildly successful. So it's not to take away from, you know, entry level players who have a deck that they love, tried into like a pet deck, if you will. Uh, I just think that the meta is diverse enough right now to where if you are good at the game, it doesn't matter what you play. Yeah, I completely agree, especially if you know the card pool pretty well. Um, I, I, I agree with that completely. I do think, um, I mean, we've seen it kind of with recently with Grant Manley where he took the um, Kyogre, where he put it in the Lost Box and, I mean, was made it made it work to two back-to-back top eight finishes. Um using the Kyogre, which is, you know, before that wasn't really seen other than an individual deck itself. So, so I do think a a very well versed player could take something that's maybe not known as well and make it happen. We've seen it in the past pre pandemic all the time where, um, you know, there was all these testing groups that were super secretive and all of a sudden that was the, the, the unexpected deck that just won the entire tournament. But, um, we have such a large card pool too, which is something else to, to talk about is, you know, with such a large carpool, there's so many things that have been forgotten that could technically probably still sweep a whole tournament. Um, and people are like, Oh yeah, I forgot that even existed. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. And it'd be, it's exciting to see that we're in a field like this. Um, but I'm very looking, very much so looking forward to seeing what's to come in Arlington. And we are going to skip the player profile this week, but our card spotlight kind of plays heavily into the news we got a whole bunch of news from tpci as well as pokemon silver borders are going to be an international thing and i for one am incredibly 
relieved. What are your thoughts? So, I the Pokemon community, collectors and players, has been ax- at, oh my gosh asking for this for so long. Um, seems like TPCI has finally listened. Um, the only thing is, I just feel like, especially from the photos that we've been given, um, and hopefully they'll change a little bit more of a shiny silver, but I feel like they look like the um, World Championship deck cards that we currently get. Um, they're kind of more of a gray versus a silver um i'm not mad at them i also wasn't too offended by the yellow borders by any means but um yeah i i don't know it's my my biggest concern is for in the meantime we're gonna have a mixed deck a deck of yellow and silver border cards which that'll throw a lot of people off yeah for sure we have some news to talk about uh in a little bit here that might put yellow cards in people's decks even longer than we had anticipated uh, but we did have a bunch of new cards announced as well and we'll kind of do a little tandem here i'll talk about one you talk about another and we will go from there and i'm going to start off with a uh, coridon ex says 230 hp it is a fighting type pokemon it has an ability called dino cry where you may um, once during your turn attach two basic fighting energy cards from your discard pile to your basic fighting pokemon any way you like if you use this ability your turn ends and then for two fighting and one colors it does wild impact for 220 and during your next turn this pokemon can't attack it is weak to psychic and a retreat cost of two Crydon could probably see some play with things like hisuian arcanine the new ursaluna v um, definitely something Urshifu flavored, whether it be single strike or rapid strike. Um, but other than that, it doesn't seem incredibly broken. You could definitely accelerate to itself because it is a basic Pokemon, but what do you think? Um, I like everything about this card except for that last sentence on the Dino Cry ability, um, where it says, if you use this ability, your turn ends. So they kind of balanced it. Um, energy acceleration obviously is a great, um, great ta- tactic, especially if you're going first um, to be able to attach and uh, attach from your deck two more psych- or, uh, fighting energies. So three energies for turn. Going first is nothing to nothing to scoff at by any means. But the fact that it ends your turn um, is kind of it. It hurts a little bit, honestly. Like I could see this being a great going first card, um, but then after that, it's just kind of. I feel like it's a little lackluster. the The wild impact for two twenty isn't isn't horrible damage, um, but yeah, just the ability on it. Unfortunately, with it ending your turn, I feel like it's that's what's going to put this card just below playable. Unfortunately, yeah, it definitely pales in comparison when you're looking at uh, Miradon, which is its counterpart. And I'll let you go ahead and talk about that card. Yep. So we have a uh, Miradon EX, which is a basic uh, Pokemon with two hundred and twenty HP, Lightning type. Um, its ability tandem unit once during your turn you may search your deck for up to two basic lightning pokemon and put them on your bench then shuffle your deck for two lightning in a colorless we have photon blaster for 220 during your next turn this pokemon can't attack weak to fighting and resistance or resistance is zero or nothing um in retreat of one so the photon blaster similar to the um corridon's wild impact attack but that tandem unit ability is beautiful um what are your thoughts on it i think it's fantastic you just go into your deck grab a bunch of mareep put them onto your bench and you're you're set up turn one for the most part like you can 
you know, your following turn, get a follow-up Mirrodon to accelerate to, um, and then you can just Photon Blaster all day long. So it, it internally, it could be an archetype by itself, but I'm sure that this could be uh, very, very helpful as a tertiary attacker, as well as uh, a basic Pokemon to help you just really establish a strong board state. Yeah, exactly. And there's a couple cards we'll talk about coming up too um, that'll just pair with this. And um, like you mentioned, Mareeps, um, pretty, pretty awesome, awesomely, beautifully, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think I think this card is going to uh, definitely see a lot of play coming up. Lightning, Lightning is going to be something something to uh, keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. And then the next card I'm going to talk about, and I know that other Justin in our Discord is going to be very happy when i mention this but we finally have a playable arcanine uh arcanine ex fire type pokemon has an hp of 280 it is a stage one it evolves from growlith and real quick i'd like to touch on the fact that this evolves from a non-rule box pokemon into a rule box pokemon i feel like this is going to make the form the next format we step into very very strong um, it's terrestrial ability, if you will. Uh, this Pokemon doesn't take any damage from attacks while on the bench, so it does have a built-in wave veil, um, if you will. For two fire, it does raging claws for 30 plus damage, and this attack does 10 more damage for each damage counter on this Pokemon. So it has a fantastic outrage type um, ability, and I think that having 280 HP and basically having the potential to hit for 300 if they hit you for 270 is very 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 strong and then for three fire it does bright flame for 250 damage which is like the perfect number to hit if v stars and all these rule box pokemon are going to stay around and then you discard two energy from this pokemon you give up two prizes when it's knocked out and it's weak to water with a retreat cost of three you know with choice belt if you're swinging into v stars you're hitting 280, and you can reaccelerate that energy with Magma Basin. Magma Basin puts damage counters on you, and then you can Rage and Claws for more damage. Yeah, I'm actually. I think this card's a pretty interesting um, first look at really these uh, Evolution EX Pokemon. Um, I think it's really cool to see that they're bringing back that mechanic of evolving from a basic, um, you know, one prize Pokemon into this. But then, yeah, just going from a, a, a stage or basic weak Growlithe to a 280 HP huge number hitting Pokemon is, is really awesome. I mean, Bright Flames for 250 damage is a huge attack like you mentioned, especially on a stage 2. Granted, you have to have the 3 energies on it, but like you said, Magma Basin not only does it help put damage on there for the Raging Claws attack, but that's just your extra energy accelerator. Say you're going first, you attach an energy onto your Growlithe. Next turn, you evolve into Arcanine, Magma Basin, and Energy, you're hitting 250 turn two. So, I mean, yeah, it's. I think this is a great card. And that built-in bench barrier is really nice as well, too. Say you, you know, you are damaged or you don't have the energy in play for it, you can retreat it. I mean, granted, it's a big retreat cost, but with Switch or something like that. Um, and it protects itself on the bench, so you're not getting sniped by something like Urshifu. Yeah, it's pretty bonkers, and I was just kind of thinking about this. Didn't we get a Rapidash from Silver Tempest as well that allows you to discard a fire energy from your hand? And if you do, the ability makes all your fire Pokemon or all of your... I think it's all your fire Pokemon do an additional 30 damage. Seems kind of cracked. Stack. Yeah, and it stacks. So that's kind of cracked with Arcanine. I feel like that's uh, that's a little busted. 
Yeah, actually, I didn't even think about that Rapid Ash just because I kind of kind of wrote off Fire Decks right now, but that is definitely a card that I'll keep around for when Arcanine comes out because, yeah, not only could you attach a Choice Belt to it um, for the Vs, of course, um, but, yeah, the Rapid Ash just sit there and discard the energy, attach more, or in, increase your damage, and then Magma Base that energy right back to the Arcanine. So, yeah, so literally now you have your, your Energy Acceleration Engine and your Damage Increasing Engine. So, yeah, I think that's an amazing combo. That's correct. That's very exciting. Uh, go ahead and lead us off with the next card. Yeah, so our next card is going to be Beach Court, which is a stadium. Um, the retreat cost of each player's basic Pokemon is colorless less. Um, this is going to be Lost Box Lost Box new favorite card when we lose Scoop Up Net. That is for sure. Yeah, it seems pretty cracked. I, I, I like the idea of being able to limit um, the amount of retreat, especially on Pokemon like Cramorant, Radiant Greninja, Comfy, all retreating for free. You get to preserve a ton of your energy. Uh, it seems like it's a, a pretty balanced card at the end of the day. I'm sure there'll be a very strong attacker that now gets free retreat um, because of Beach Court, and everyone will say that it is broken. But for now, I think Lost Box is going to very much so enjoy that card. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about, and this is probably the most hyped I've been on any of these Scarlet Violet cards, uh, is Ampharos EX. It's a lightning type Pokemon. It has the HP of 330. That is tremendous. It is a stage two. It evolves from Flaffy, Dynamotor Flaffy, hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, and then for one lightning, it does Elect Ball for 60 damage. Kind of lackluster, uh, but I suppose it takes out Sobbles, so that's cool. Um, and then for one lightning and two colors, it is lightning tail for 140 damage. Perfect for hitting Lugia and Palkia. Um, and then you may discard two energy from this Pokemon. If you do, it does a hundred more damage topping out at one, uh, 240. And that's pretty cool. Gives up two prizes when it's knocked out, weak to fighting and a retreat cost of two. This seems pretty cracked. You can evolve this Ampharos from Dynamotor Flaffy, um, Establish your board state very early with Miradon and just kind of clap some cheeks with a 332 prize Pokemon. Yeah, that that's the biggest thing, honestly, is the fact that um, you have the the core or the Miradon. You've got a stage two with 330 HP, and you normally stage twos are like kind of like whatever. That's it's hard to get to a stage two, but you're evolving it from the Flaffy, which just got second place at a major regional. For accelerating energy so now you combine all those along with another card we're going to talk about coming up i'm i'm so i i think Ampharos, as far as what we've seen so far from the release is the deck to to keep your eye on um i think that's going to be for like i said from what we've seen so far they could print next week something that completely shuts us down just like when they did dark rye and then the same set a week later they announced lilligant which you know, the grass weakness and stuff like that. People instantly wrote off Darkrai. But anyways, um, yeah, as of right now, this is the deck to keep your eye on and chase card to go after because 330 HP is insanely hard to hit, especially one shot. And the fact that the engine is just built into the evolution line is is so, so good. Yeah, and to put things in pers into perspective too, it's like even if you Vitality Banded Urshifu, like Gale Thrust doesn't knock this out at 330 HP. So it's going to take some real work to get through this Ampharos for sure. 
Um, the next card we're going to talk about is Penny, which is a new supporter. I'll let you go ahead and uh, dive into that. Yeah, so Penny is return one of your basic Pokemon to play and all cards attached to it to your hand. Um, I think it's an alright card. I think it, it'll definitely see some some fringe play for sure in decks, um, depending what you, you're wanting to do. But we have things like Volo right now. I think the biggest thing is you're going to see maybe a, a, a Crobat on the bench or a Lumini on the bench that you don't want to be there. And it puts it back in your hand. Um, I know we had talked about Sander had put Mimikyu V out there with this, um, with the ability that has doesn't take any damage when you play down onto the bench um, during your opponent's next turn. But I think there's just a few other cards that might be a little better than this, but I can see definitely seeing some fringe play. Yeah, for sure. Penny seems pretty good, um, but also another thing to point out, um, Genesect is also a basic Pokemon and you're able to just draw out with three genesect pick it up and then put it back down and draw more <laughs> yeah that's actually pretty good that's, that seems kind of cracked um but i don't i don't think it'll see like a four count in any deck like unless that is your utility entirely is your to... draw engine <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um but then the next cover we're gonna talk about is a supporter called jacques uh, you search your deck for up to two evolution Pokemon cards and reveal them and put them into your hand and shuffle your deck. I could see this getting uh, a little bit of play in GLC. Other than that, I feel like it's just a lot more consistent to have uh, varying ball search and Pokemon search than it would be to have a supporter that goes and grabs things. Um, even Adventures Discovery, being able to go grab three V flavored pokemon whether it be v star v max or v union um it still isn't played very heavily and we're definitely in the middle of a v oriented format so i i could see jacques being okay but not the the best yeah definitely definitely a glc card but i couldn't agree more i think the ultra ball you know counts are just gonna go up to a maximum four versus playing your supporter for turn yeah, I tend to agree. And then we got one more supporter to talk about as well. Yep, we have Arvin, which is search your deck for an item card and a Pokemon tool card. Um, remember that difference in item card and Pokemon tool card. Reveal them and put them into your hand, then shuffle your deck. Um, again, I it, it'll see some play in some certain decks, um, maybe something that's very item and tool card heavy. But other than that, I just think maybe your supporters like research is going to be a better opportunity to see those cards plus other cards you might need um than something like this unless you're like i said unless you're specifically playing this card for that item card and tool card specifically um i i think it's meh at best yeah i i do like that and we'll talk about this in a second that there is a card in the format that will differentiate uh and be able to grab tool card solo dolo where we might lose that utility um, when we lose things like Shady Dealings and Teleon and so on and so forth. So um, seems okay, but not super duper necessary for every deck to run one quite yet. Uh, the next card we're going to talk about is Stone Breastplate, which is a uh, trainer tool card uh, and damage done to the fighting Pokemon that this card is attached to by your opponent's Pokemon's attacks is reduced by 30. So this is stone fighting energy that you can attach to um your fighting type pokemon things like 
stone joiner I'd, like you had mentioned before could definitely see a buff from something like this um it's cool because it's not limited to uh pokemon without an ability like full face guard is uh but it is limited to fighting pokemon so eh, it's it's kind of cool but nowhere near as cool as the next card we're talking about yeah and stone joiner is gonna also rotate before this this even comes out as well too or at will least Vmax anyway uh will Vmax will no it won't because <laughs> we Wait, got, it won't? no we got our rotation date and we will oh, talk about right. that momentarily i did forget about that forget what forget i said that <laughs> no you're all yeah. good i forgot i read that this morning um anyways so our next card is an item card um, electricity generator look at the top five cards of your deck choose up to two basic lightning energy cards and attach them to your bench lightning pokemon in any way you like and shuffle the remaining cards into your deck um like i said lightning is about to be um one of those insane archetypes because uh yeah just i was around when max elixir was around and just doing that for one in basic energy granted it was any energy was so good was so so good to attach that extra energy of turn now you're saying i can attach two as long as they're on top of the deck yeah or on the top five cards of the deck that's fine by me um give me that electric pencil sharpener yeah no it's uh whatever you want to call it fishing rod uh, pencil sharpener that thing is cracked you can run four of these in your deck potentially accelerating eight energy into play without dynamotor flaffy is busted for sure and you don't lose the other cards. Usually they have caveats like that. If you're accelerating that much energy, you lose the other like three cards you would have to pull out of the deck, if not all five, if none of them hit on energy. So that is a very, very powerful card. Lightning needs to be on everyone's radar going forward. Um, yeah. On, <laughs> no, you're good. On top of all these cards being added to uh, our standard format when they are released in the Scarlet Violet set early 2023... We're also getting Nest Ball back, which is a Pokemon Ball search that allows you to go grab a basic Pokemon from your deck and put it directly onto your bench. Uh, people do need to be weary because there are so many Pokemon like Crobat V right now and Luminion V that need to be played from your hand in order to trigger their effect. So Nest Ball is very, very good to be consistent established board states and stuff like that. But you will lose a little bit of your utility if you're depending on Nest Ball to give you access to stuff like that. Unless you're cheeky and you want to play Nest Ball, put the Crobat on your bench and then Penny, put it back in your hand and then play it. But I feel like that's just a long walk for a very short drink of water. No, those, those are the loops, man. Those are the, That's the play. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, we're also getting Crushing Hammer. Uh, you flip a coin, if it's heads, you can deny or discard a energy from your opponent's Pokemon, which is very cool. Energy search is making a return. Pokemon catcher, you flip a coin, if it's heads, you may bring one of your opponent's bench Pokemon uh, into the active. And Professor's Research is also coming back. Discard your hand and draw seven cards. So we do get a pretty diverse pool of supporters going into the next format. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually very happy to see all these coming back. Um, I just wish I had a bigger heads up on the nest balls because I don't know if you saw, but that that gold nest ball buyout was was rough. Five minutes after it was announced, and it was like one listing left at fifty dollars or something like that. Yeah, it was nuts. I saw I saw the tweet like first thing in the morning, and then I kind of dabbled on like um, eBay, and I saw a lot of the sales on there. Haven't caught up to the fact that it's getting reprinted yet, and I swooped. 
I swooped hard. Did you? <laughs> I, nice. I bought three of them for $22. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a deal. And then one single one for like 15 So it was a, it was a screaming deal. I very, very much so capitalized on that. And sorry to the person on eBay who just now realized that they tripled in price. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, but then we have a really, really big topic to talk about. So in what is it april 14th 2023 pokemon tools will no longer be item cards every tool will be eroded from this point forward even though it will say item card on pre-existing tools that are e-stamped or later um, they will all be held to the same standard that the rest of the tool cards are in the standard format uh, so things like irida celebrations mew and pokestop will no longer be able to grab tool cards and put them into your hand with their necessary effects what do you think about this change um you know i'm kind of indifferent about it i think it's kind of cool that we're actually specifying um individual things kind of like we've um seen over the years uh i'm a big retro deck enthusiast i play a lot of wizards of the coast decks um in the original days all the trainer cards were just trainers um and then couple years go by now there's supporters a couple more years now there's stadiums and then there's so i think it's kind of again evolving into one of those um more diverse ways of playing the game but also making it to where um everything's more specified it's like it kind of adds a layer of complexity to the game instead of just being all generic all one thing it kind of makes makes for a little more complex deck building um and just, you know, maybe maybe the easiest way to look at it is they're getting it closer to the video games. Um, in the video games themselves, Pokemon can hold certain items um, or tools, for lack of better terms, um, but they can't hold things like Pokeballs, which are your items. So maybe that's kind of where they're going. They're trying to connect it closer to the game. Who knows? But um, I, I'm not mad at the idea by any means because I think it's just going to promote better or more um, complex deck building. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it's more or less setting them up in the future. So where if they did print something like Shady Dealings and Teleon again, they can specify more about the limited amount of things that it can grab because Shady Dealings for so long was cracked. It was broken. You know, they gave us Level Ball to be able to search out Drizzile. They gave us a Sobble that got more Sobbles out. So they could give us an engine similar to that but also give it limitations to where it can only grab item cards. It can only grab supporter cards like that Gallade that we had talked about before. Um, I think that they're just kind of walking back that idea and giving their creative teams uh, more of a structured lane to focus on creation and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I think it's that's kind of interesting, though, too, that they're just now taking this approach because um, there was a deck back... Um, couple years ago as well too um but it played heavily on tool cards and there was a tool card or there was an item card around called adventure bag which already specified search for two tool cards so i mean they kind of in a sense had because so tool cards currently do still have that kind of subtext on it that says you know i forget exactly what it says but this can be attached to a pokemon but only one tool card at a time unless others specified or whatever um so there was already kind of a specification for it, but I guess this is just an even more in-depth where instead of on the top corner it says item, now it'll say tool. 
So yeah, I I don't know. It's it's interesting because they have in the past specified specifically tool esque cards um, or search outs for, but maybe this is just like I do like that idea of going back and maybe now it's more all inclusive to fixing the problems going forward. Right. And, you know, I think the biggest takeaway right now is like Irida won't be able to go grab Choice Belt for the Palkia combo. Celebrations Mew won't be able to go grab Air Balloon to pivot itself out. So there are some, you know, uncomfortable things that we are going to have to learn to navigate around. But then you get a bunch of cool cards like the the Beach Court that give you that free pivot anyway. So it's you know, you don't lose a whole lot. Pokemon has a tendency to feed you more than they take off your plate. Um, yeah, it, all, it always seems the next next set is is the these cards are broken. These cards are broken. Then two sets later, they're irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's crazy because like when we first took that Silver Tempest, we were like, oh yeah, it's it's a it's a set. It's not going to change yeah. the format that much. But it changed everything so much to the point where Flaffy almost won a regional and Eternatus yeah. is good again. So uh, you you can't really guess anymore if these sets are going to be impactful or not. Um, as I had mentioned before, uh, the errata is going to take effect on April 14, 2023, because that is when our rotation happens. We had very much so assumed that rotation would be much earlier in the year. But it appears that it's been, I don't want to say pushed back because there was no like official date set. There was a suggested date set. Um, but yeah, it's going to happen in April. And what we have EUIC the weekend after. <laughs> so that's kind of cracked. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I like I mentioned earlier, I actually forgot that I read this morning that it, it's coming up in April now. Um, I'm actually not gonna lie pretty relieved that we have an official date i was stressing for so long as my first regional back um, of the season is going to be uh, orlando in february and i was thinking that that was going to be like hey here's rotation and a regional so i was gonna have to <laughs> you know prep for rotation at my first regional and everything so i'm happy to finally have a date and be able to kind of plan around that and stuff but um yeah it is much much later than i thought it was um, i know there was a lot of speculation for a while that they were going to try to sync up the Japanese rotation as well as the rest of the, the world's rotation. Um, doesn't seem like that's happening, but it seems like we're getting a little closer You know, every few months here and there. It seems like our card pools are getting closer. Rotation's a lot closer than it used to be, for sure. Um, but it's still not there yet. Maybe that's their way of easing it, us into it every year or something like that. I suppose. I really don't have any complaints. It would be nice to have parallel formats so that, like, if more international events were reoccurring and players like you and I could make travels to go play in Tainan or Kyoto and stuff like that, it wouldn't be a brand new format that we're learning because, you know, us here in the States, we're constantly behind. So we're learning and adapting from these players who just kind of take the cards and run with it. You know, that's why we end up with things like Lugia and Galarian Weezing, because they've been in the same format for so long, they're just testing out what could be viable. So it is crazy how late we are going to rotate, but this also means that you'll be able to attach the, what, stone breastplate to stone Jorner and take 30 <laughs> less damage. So that's kind of cool, I suppose. At least for a month or two, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um uh, shady deal for a little bit too so i suppose you could kind of work out the uh the bugs the with problem. E <laughs> yeah you could you could grab anything you want with shady dealing so it's 
Uh, it's pretty cracked. And then our listener question is uh, from Yoshi on Instagram, who hit me up in my DMs. Um, why do you think the Pokemon decided to subcategorize cards like tools? And do you expect any more changes to happen um, in the Pokemon TCG? So we kind of went over the the subcategorized part of the tools, um, you know, our theories and things like that. So I'll kind of just jump to the the second part of that question. As far as more changes on the horizon, um, for personally, I kind of hope not at just at the moment. Um, I think change is always good in the game itself. But I think with this new set, new block of cards, for instance, um, I think there's going to be so many changes already happening between the differentiating of tools and item cards, the um, the terrestrializing, the um, evolving two prizers. So, you know, going from a basic to a two prizer. There's so many things that they've already announced that are coming our way that I think um, too much change, I don't want to say it would be detrimental, but too much change would almost throw everyone for such a loop. It might be a hard adjustment period or you know, say that say the six year old that just got into it um, two months ago just finally finished learning everything, and all of a sudden now they have to learn everything all over again because it's too many things. So I hope that there's not too much change in the near future. But as far as long term change, um, I definitely always open. I mean, we see mechanics change all the time, so um, there will be stuff in the future. But as for right now, I'm kind of hoping that it just what what has been announced is what we're going to have to deal with at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that I'd be really interested in them changing is weakness. Like stop making it two times. Um, you know, I, I for one love weakness boxes cause I love taking advantage of everything, uh, that is meta. So if you guys, if I could play like a lightning deck with a little bit of fire and a little bit of dark here to kind of cover all my losses. Um, it, it's fun to do, but at the end of the day, I feel like it's a broken mechanic. So if you did weakness plus 30, as opposed to times two, we'd be in what I would consider a little f- uh, more fun of a format. You know, you could have things like single striker Shifu back on on the field again and not worry about getting clapped by Meloetta, you know? <laughs> yeah, weakness is pretty crazy, especially in a, you know, format where Pokemon are hitting such big damage already and you're supposed to have these big tanky Pokemon that can survive. I mean, yeah, there's, it's like you said, there's, getting clapped by that is never feels good no absolutely because like if i want to play lucario v-star i have to tech in drapion just just to hang with mew and obviously like that doesn't push the deck up into an upper echelon it just has me teched correctly where i would love to be in a format where you could bring any 60 and not really worry about weakness being the the biggest determining factor yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I think Reggie did so well at the Kyoto Regionals, just for the pure sake, it could hit so many different weaknesses, honestly. I mean, that's that's been its biggest draw power, other than the uh, special energy acceleration, is because you can go, okay, cool, I'm playing an Arce de- Arceus deck, uh, here's Regirock. Oh, I'm playing against Lugia, here's a Regilecki. You know, it's just, you've got so many answers to different things because of that weakness factor. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a... Uh pretty pretty scary terrain that we are stepping into here uh but with all this meta discussion and stuff like that do you want to run back your predictions for arlington or do you you think you're going to stay the course i think i'm going to stay the course i i definitely think that um i lugia is my number one pick you would be a number two i think those decks are just still so powerful 
Um, and now that we've seen um, after this triple header weekend, we had two weekends ago in this past weekend, I think you're just going to see people still play those decks, but maybe have a little more text for things like the Glaring Weezings or the Articunos, um, just things like that. So I think I'm going to stick my course of either one of those decks being in the top uh, top finalists decks. Right on. Uh, I'm going to jump ship. I'm, I'm picking Eternatus. Uh, Eternatus is going to win Arlington Regional just, just for the pure memes. Uh, it's not that I don't think it's competitive. It just seems to be super reoccurring. And Eternatus just, I don't know. I, I feel like its counters are nowhere to be found. Like Urshifu, where you at? Like uh, it, it sucks that Archaeops is 150 HP and resistant to fighting. Uh, but yeah, man, like I, I just don't see a reason for it not to win, especially if it's going to take a third place finish out of like 2,900 people. So that yeah, would be we'll, absolutely we'll wild. <laughs> <win>. <laughs> that would be crack. Yeah. Go Galarian wheezing. Um, but yeah, that, that, that about does it for our show. Uh, if you want to hear your questions answered on the pod, uh, make sure you hit up our Twitter at PCS underscore pod. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and, you know, share your experiences playing the Pokemon TCG, uh, whether it be online or in person, you know, we, we love to see that kind of stuff. Uh, with that being said, Justin, go ahead and plug the show. Yeah, guys, you can find me at Instagram, um, at Pokebrews, uh, and on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter at Pokebrews TCG. Um, if you guys want to follow the links on there to any of my, uh, affiliate links and things like that, um, I'm a TCG player affiliate as well as a partner with Swift Lifestyles Energy Drink. Um, if you guys use any of those, any kind of kickbacks they throw my way, goes directly to regionals trips, to deck building, to tournament fee entries, things like that. So greatly appreciate you guys checking those out. Um, Drew, where can people find you? All righty. So if you want to see my stuff, I'm on YouTube and Twitter, both at Katana TCG. Um, and if you would like to support the PCS podcast, please join our Patreon um, at patreon.com slash pcs podcast we when you join our patreon you get an entry for the monthly giveaway this month we are giving away a real booster box of silver tempest to one of our lucky patreon so thank you so much if you already support us and welcome if you are just joining the patreon as is and then you also get entrance to the pcs locals which is a once a month local if you will uh, online tourney where we run either standard glc or expanded a really good time all of us just kind of get together in a group chat shoot the shit play cards do what we love to do and if you want to buy any pcs merchandise make sure you check out our bonfire shop at bonfire.com slash store slash pcs pod you can pick up long sleeves hoodies t-shirts whatever you want pcs logo front and back make sure you represent your favorite podcast at your events and that's going to do it for our show deuces catch you guys next time